welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders who are changing the world with their work. They share their life stories and tips on how you can find your purpose. If you're keen to create a life you love in alignment with your soul, well, the waiting list for Do Your Dharma is now open. We have an early bird price of £295 going up to £495 at the end of the summer. So now's the time to get on board. We've had 42 incredible human beings go through this program and the results that they are created in their own life is incredible. This course is a consciousness shift. It's an eight-week online program and you will go in one person and you will come out another. Please go and check out the reviews on my Facebook page. And you can also have a look at the website, www.doyourdharma.co.uk. This program I created because this is what I wanted 10 years ago when I was lost, stuck in a job that I hated. This program will help you find your flow and manifest the life of your dreams. We demystify the subject of Dharma, unlock your greatest potential and show you that by following your highest excitement, you can create the life that you love. So hello and welcome to this week's episode of Kitty Talks. Before we start, I just want to let you know that we are going to be doing the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. So we would love for you to come and join us. If you haven't heard of my challenge, well, it is explaining to you how you can live longer, be happier, be healthier, and have a deep sense of unshakable inner peace. So the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge, I demystify spiritual principles and spiritual laws, which we're not taught. We go through life and we kind of have a set of conditioning which says you need to work hard, you need to work hard, be a good paying taxpayer, and you'll, you know, from there you'll get the life you want. Well, actually, it's completely different. So the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge will demystify why you need to do the things that excite you. Now, that may sound obvious, but quite often we believe that we can't make money from our passions, that we can't make money from the things that we truly love. They're not proper jobs. They're not serious. And actually, come and do the challenge with us because you will get a completely new understanding of how life works and how the universe works, actually. If you haven't already, you'll find the challenge on my Instagram. But yeah, it's always good fun. It's a lovely group of people that do it. I tell you what, you'll get some shifts and insights. So on to this week's solo cast. Now, this is going to be a juicy episode today. This is something that I'm excited to talk to you about, actually. So the title of this podcast is called My Journey to Sobriety. And I wanted to share with you my own story around alcohol. Now, unless you've been hiding under a rock recently, you will know that sober curious is kind of the new word. And actually, it's very cool to be sober. And there are all now manner of non-alcoholic drinks available on the marketplace. Things like Daybreaker, Sober Clubbing. There's so many things out there now that you can do to socialize without alcohol. 
yet we seem to have a kind of divide on the planet. I would say, you know, of my kind of circle of friends, I would say most of my transformational leadership friends, you know, people who are up to big things in the world don't have time to drink and don't really want to because it slows them down. And the mindset operating around those individuals is why would you put poison into your body? Because that's just a ridiculous thing to do. And then there's another kind of sphere of influence, which is, that's what we do. You know, that's how we unwind. It's how we chill out. It's what we do when our kids go to bed or it's how we let our hair down. It's how we socialize. How could you socialize without alcohol? Can you have fun without alcohol? So there's lots of opinions and there are lots of schools of thought out there at the moment. And depending on where you're at, I'm hoping this podcast will give you some food for thought. So Let me tell you a little bit about my journey. I grew up in a very much middle class household and my aunties, uncles, my mum and dad, they all drank alcohol. It was quite acceptable to drink alcohol. I never really saw my dad get drunk. My dad used to drink on a regular basis. And then I remember being sort of a teenage years being offered alcohol because my parents didn't want it to be something that was, you know, shameful. And I do remember actually how funny when you start to talk, you realize all this stuff comes back to you. I remember being 14, 15 and my friends staying at my house and we raided my parents' drinks cabinet and played, I think we played 21s, were absolutely wasted. And one of the girls that was there, she was only little, like quite small in stature. And my mum apparently was really worried about her through the night because she was throwing up and like you know, she'd kind of throw up and was sick in her hair and put it all over the walls. And and that incident put me, as you can imagine, off alcohol for quite a while. And actually in my teenage years, I wasn't too bad. I didn't really drink. Uh, I think that incident really probably took its toll because it happened at quite a young age. But if you've done any sort of personal development, you will know that we generally crave the love of one parent more than another. And usually it's the parent that we don't get the love that we want from. So in my case, I had a very attentive, loving, giving mother, and I had a less emotionally available father who I craved attention from because he didn't give it. And I'm telling you this because it was relevant to my alcohol story. I emulated my dad. This was all unconscious. I only unpacked this in my 20s when I did all the work on myself. But I very much emulated my father because my father was very good with money. So I emulated that. I took some of the good stuff. But he also smoked and he also drank. Anyway, it was kind of cool. And because I wanted to be cool, you know, I was definitely copying some of my father's behavior. But as I said, you know, I was quite a sort of innocent child, innocent teenager, went to like quite a nice school. No, you know, we went and drunk, we went and got drunk, but there wasn't many drugs around. It was, you know, it was quite a sort of innocent upbringing. And then things started to change for me, actually, when I was in my 20s. Even university for me was quite tame. I had a boyfriend all the way through the university. I don't remember having a problem with alcohol then. But where it starts to stand out for me was actually when I was 21, I'd had a boyfriend for five years and we'd split up. And 
I didn't know quite how to handle it. And what I realize now is my background is very much about suppressing my emotions. I didn't really talk about my emotions. I didn't really feel my emotions. And consequently, I used alcohol as a way of processing or a way of even drowning my sorrows. Or when I was upset, I would drink. I didn't cry because that wasn't something that I was had seen or knew to do you know crying for me was weak so when I got upset I drank and when I drank I kept on drinking and I became a bit of a mess and I do remember after that breakup going traveling around um, Australia and it being messy for my friend actually because obviously I was the one who'd get drunk and not remember what I did and she had to pick up the pieces and that became my pattern with alcohol I drank my feelings so rather than like a normal person or hopefully normal people crying when I felt upset I would let it kind of fester and bottle up inside of me and obviously this is what led to the depression that I had and I used alcohol as a release so my whole 20s if something was wrong I'd probably drink to forget about it now this coupled with working in a very boozy environment so I worked in the city and it was very much work hard play hard you know if there was somebody in the pub every single night so you could go out and drink every single night now I think it is possible to have a healthy relationship with alcohol I personally haven't had a a healthy relationship with alcohol hence why I don't drink now But I do know there are people who can just have one or two glasses of alcohol. You know, I've got friends of mine who are pretty good. You know, they're quite controlled and they can have a bit of, you know, they get a bit tipsy, but that's it. But I, being British by nature, was always in that binge drinking culture. If you're listening to this and you're not a Brit, uh, let me explain. We do have a drink to get drunk culture. Now, cultures are really interesting because if you think what what I'm describing here is the layering that we have as a human being. So we have our family conditioning, which I described to you as, you know, I was emulating my father, you know, because obviously he was the person who I wanted to get this love from. So he smoked and drank. So that's why I thought it was good, a good idea unconsciously to do these things. And then we obviously have cultural conditioning. So my cultural conditioning was binge drinking. And British people drink to get drunk. We, you know, are, we don't, we're not particularly civilized in how we use alcohol. So if you go to another country like, I'm trying to think, so the European countries generally tend to be better at not overdoing it. I'm sure there are exceptions to every rule. But if you're, Spanish or French, it's not culturally acceptable to be drunk. Whereas in Britain, everybody just gets wasted, you know, and that's acceptable. So there's a lot of things going on for human beings and in and around their alcohol attachment. So have a think about your own alcohol attachment. Have a think about your family patterning. Have a think about who you were emulating, who your role models were. Because I know from listening to other people's stories like I was listening to a podcast the other day by Kate can't remember her surname it's Mike Watts and Kate somebody or other and she was saying that her she found out at a young age that her grandmother was an alcoholic her parents told her like 10 and that put her off alcohol 
you know, as a 10 year old, you're very, very impressionable. I remember listening to Tony Robbins saying that what he did with his children, which I thought was brilliant. And so God help my children when they come, because um, what he did was take his children at a young age, like 10, 11, 12, where they're still children rather than teenagers and show them the effects of drugs and alcohol. So he took them to a rehab center and showed them people who were misusing drugs and alcohol, what it did to them. Now, can you imagine as a small child, you seeing this, of course, you're going to say, my God, why would anybody do that to you to to themselves? And actually, when you unpack alcohol, it is ludicrous that we drink because it is literally poison to the body as we as we said you know most of the time we start drinking and we throw up that's because we're you're drinking poison and all you do is you condition yourself to like alcohol you know most teenagers like my teenage stepdaughters don't drink wine because they don't like the taste of it. And of course, I never used to like or drink wine. And of course, we tell ourselves that actually it's a, an acquired taste, you know, whereas it's just poison, really. What you're exposed to at a young age can have a real impact on whether you drink or not. And I obviously know of people who have alcoholic mums and dads. And of course, that totally puts them off alcohol. They go the opposite way around. Now, it can work like that where you get put off it, or it can actually mean that you copy and emulate it, depending. So you've got family conditioning, you've got cultural conditioning. Now, in my case, as I said, in my 20s, I was in an environment where, so not only the British culture is binge drinking, my direct environment was binge drinking and it was work hard, play hard. So the culture of the business that I was working in was to go out and get drunk after work on a Friday, Thursday even Tuesday, Wednesday night. Now, the other thing you've got going on as a human being is you like to fit in. We all like to fit in. We're taught to conform. We're not taught to stand out. You know, in Australia, they have this thing called a tall poppy syndrome, where actually, if you get too big for your boots, they'll cut you down. And we all have memories as kids of maybe saying an answer and getting it wrong and being laughed at. And there's nothing worse than being rejected by your peers at a young age or even even adult years, you know. So we're taught to fit in. And I remember being in that work environment and wanting to sort of control my alcohol intake. But at the same time, I didn't want to be left out. And so FOMO, fear of missing out, is a huge, huge thing for humans. And if you're in an environment where it's very boozy, you know, water finds its own level. You tend to emulate or you tend to copy or want to be like the people around you. So who you hang out with and who you surround yourself with is also a huge factor, as we well know, in how your life looks. So listening to this podcast the other day, this lady, she didn't drink, so her friends didn't drink. Now, I did drink, so my friends did drink. And what you find is, I've noticed with friends of mine who are, was one of one friend of mine who I've lost to alcohol. When I say I've lost to alcohol, he was my best friend growing up from school. Oh, sorry, from, from a young age. And his father was an alcoholic, and he is, a, he is a, what I would call a functioning alcoholic. And because he ended up going into the bar industry... 
everybody around him drank. So it essentially was the norm in that environment. So it meant that he didn't necessarily stand out quite so much. But obviously, to us, he's really stood out because we didn't drink you know, have a vodka at 10 o'clock in the morning at work. (laughs) But because he was working in a pub, that was perfectly acceptable. So it's very interesting how we can build environments around us that are very heavy and strong in alcohol. And this is exactly what I did. And then coupled with that, my university friends started to get into, or once they'd left university, or some of my school friends started to get into drugs. So when I say drugs, it when I meant going clubbing, you know, discovering the clubbing scene. And of course, alongside the clubbing scene comes the ecstasy. And personally, having suffered or at that point in my life, I was suffering with quite bad depression, not that I understood it, that coupled with the alcohol, that coupled with the drugs was like a dangerous, dangerous cocktail of things so alcohol and drugs will exasperate your mental state so you know I think I do think it's possible that some people can you know use those things and feel okay long term I think they're bonkers but I know that people who who do use them and they're okay with the results but I personally of course it just added to this up and downness that I was experiencing because my mental health was not healthy at all and I'm not advocating drugs or alcohol by the way if you're listening to this I'm just showing you the difference between different human beings and I think it's very much to do with the mental fitness and mental health of the individual depending on what place you are in at the time. So if you're somebody who knows you're prone to depression or prone to anxiety, God, alcohol is the worst thing you can possibly, possibly do. So my journey to sobriety, I actually gave up alcohol. I remember when I was coming out of working in this city environment and I'd started to do a lot of personal development and I wanted to change my life. I didn't, wasn't happy with how my life looked. You know, as I said, I think, you know, I had the classic trappings of should have been happy because I had a good job, had great friends, was earning great money, had my own house at a young age. But I was obviously dying inside and miserable. And so I started to transition and move my life away from people that drank. And for the first time in my life, I had friends that didn't drink. You know, this is unheard of for me because that's what I thought that everybody did. But once I started to get friends that didn't drink, I decided that I would go and actually give up alcohol, which I did. I got actually sought the friend, I sought the help of a friend who's a very good friend of mine now to give up alcohol. And he'd started to take me on the process actually that they do through AA. And I gave up alcohol for about nine months and obviously felt so, so much better. And in that time, I shifted my friendship group away from the more negative peer group that I had built And would you believe I fell off the wagon after nine months because I went out with some old friends of mine and the environment was strong and I ended up drinking. And then, of course, from there, I started to drink again. But I think I, from memory, I do remember having a bit of a more healthy respect for alcohol after that giving up of nine months. And although I did drink, because my life had shifted away from the toxic environment that I'd built, I managed to have a better relationship with alcohol. But I do remember having so many conversations in about my he- in my head about, am I an alcoholic? Well, I don't drink in the morning, but I do, I do drink too much. So am I an alcoholic? I just didn't know. And of course, nobody likes to think of themselves as an alcoholic. 
And the way we classically think of an alcoholic is somebody that drinks in the morning. And of course, I didn't do that. I, I could drink. I could go for weeks and not drink. But when I did drink, I'd get it would get messy. So I had a problem with alcohol, essentially, is what I'm trying to express to you. And at that point, I suppose I'd gone through this period where I had completely abstained and then I'd gone back into an environment. It was very environment related, which wasn't so heavy with alcohol. And actually, I I got to the stage where I could just share a bottle of wine with a friend and that would be it, you know. But it was interesting for me to watch, depending on the friend that I hung out with, if that friend was quite controlled and they were the type of person that would just share a bottle of wine with you. Uh, I lived with a guy who's still a very good friend of mine now. He's very good with alcohol. He just, you know, he knows when to stop. And he was a really good influence on me. For me, the other thing that really tipped me over the edge was wanting to be a parent. And I didn't want my kids to grow up in an environment of mum and dad having a hangover or mum and dad reaching for the wine bottle when they went to sleep or just I didn't want my kids to have that even in their existence and I didn't want to be that parent and that was a really big motivator for me because knowing how my relationship with alcohol was I could just stare down the barrel or down the bottle (laughs) of what I would be like as a parent drinking alcohol and I didn't want to be that person so I really hope you have enjoyed this episode I really hope you've got something out of it Please, if you haven't already, come and join our free Facebook group. And as I said before, we are doing the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge soon. So come and meet some new friends. Come and get a different perspective on how you should live your life. Come and understand the universe and the secrets of the universe and how you can tap into the secrets of the universe and manifest and create the life of your dreams is actually not that more difficult but we just haven't been given the rules so thank you again for listening i really appreciate each and every one of you who take the time out of your day to listen to these podcasts and share the fact that you're listening tag me i love it when people tag me i love it when people let me know that they have got something from the conversation But all my love to you. And I'm going to do a couple more podcasts, actually. One is going to be on radiation EMF and the effects of that. I've been talking about that for a while. I'm going to do that one, too. And I'm going to give you an update on my name change. Because actually, that's something I didn't mention in the podcast. But I discovered when I did my numerology around my name, there were two things that I'd struggled with and I'd use the word struggle and obviously we create our words we create our reality reality through our words but that's how it had felt for me and that was alcohol and my food intake and when I did my numerology she basically said that my name Kate so my name is Kate my name Kate is a 12-3 and a 12-3 does have this internal struggle around food and has addiction problems now how fascinating is that that you're name your the vibration of your name if you think of it like a umbrella or a coat you're wearing that vibration and so it exasperates things and she said that it was very prominent in my name and so one of one of the many reasons I changed my name was to get let go of that issue problem that I'd had for 35 years that I couldn't find a way of getting through myself 
And interestingly, after obviously changing my name, the giving up alcohol has naturally happened. So that's fascinating, I think, because it's not something that my husband and I decided at Christmas, this last Christmas, that we were just going to give it up. I think it was like this 27th of December. We went out for lunch and we just said like, it was really interesting because I brought it up and I remember thinking, "Mm, I wonder what my husband's going to say to this. And he just went, yeah, we're done. I'm done. We're done. You know, he is very into his meditation and um, he knew he couldn't get where he wants to get with his meditation while he was still drinking alcohol. So it naturally was a very easy and a simple decision that we made and we've never looked back. So, so what is it that you got from what I have just said? Where are you on your journey? Come and talk to me. The, the episode will go live and obviously we will be on Instagram, but I'd love to hear your realizations. You know, can I help you? Is there something that you would like some advice on? I really hope this conversation has been of value to you. I am sending you much love and I look forward to our next meeting. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Kitty Talks podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode and I too hope you were inspired to take action towards your dream life. You know, all it takes is aligned daily action towards your dreams and they will come to fruition. They will be created. You are an energetic being and you're more powerful than you've ever been taught. If you want some help and support, come and join us. Doyourdharma.co.uk. Apply now. We're taking applications and we're going to help you, support you creating the dream life. This is why you came.